habits and be consistent with all of those things. Consistency is huge and it starts with the sampling. Global shortages are causing farm input costs to skyrocket. A better way to farm shows you how to take control of inputs and maximize profits so you can farm the way you want. Now, from America's heartland, here's your host. Hey everyone, Tyler here, field agronomist with A Better Way to Farm, where we spend each and every day providing solutions to farmers to grow better crops and to make more money. I hope that you're having a great day and we thank you for tuning in to our podcast. This one I'm extremely excited about. I think I say that almost every single time I make an introduction into the person that we've got on the other side of this deal. But this one's extremely fun. I always like talking with clients that we've got that are doing great things. And this one is a client of ours, but he's also one of the presenters that we have at our two-day fundamentals of agronomy trainings. He is a certified crop advisor, lives in Southwest Iowa. We've had him on here before, so I'm super excited to have Preston join me today. Preston, thanks for coming on here, man. How are you doing? Awesome, buddy. A little chilly out today, whopping 19 degrees, but that's all right. It's going to warm up. Yeah, it is freezing, freezing cold out, which I hate, but I suppose it kind of helps things dry down and get on with harvest and, and do all that fun stuff. So the reason why we're having you on today, I know in past episodes, you've been on kind of talking about you as the client Preston, you as the farmer Preston that, you know, uses the system and, you know, what brought you to a better way to farm and all that fun stuff. But today what we're going to do We're going to kind of break down now that it's kind of soil sampling season, we're going to kind of break down what is it about what we do with the A Better Way to Farm system and some reasons why our system works and what kind of sets it apart from some of the listeners, you know, some of them, you know, might be doing things a little bit different or whatever. And this is kind of, you know, what sets us apart from what you're currently doing. So really, as we dive right into this thing, The first one that kind of came to mind is you kind of set this thing up like we always talk about soil testing being kind of the foundation of our program. To me, that when you look at soil sampling, there's a lot of different routes you could choose. And one of the reasons why I like what we do is that to me, I'm going to say it this way, and it's kind of weird, but it lowers the cost of sampling, especially when you compare it to, you know, that two and a half acre grid sample that a lot of people are doing right now. And I'm going to say that even in return, even though it's a lower cost, you actually in turn get better results. And and could you kind of expand on that a little bit as well about, you know, how are we able to basically kind of pull down that per acre cost and still get better sampling results? So basically it's because of the, we do a hybrid zone. We don't do specifically on a per acre basis. There is the technology out there today to be able to vary your application going across the field, but it is very expensive. And so it's not yet, in my opinion, not yet economical. Um, So if you have the money to throw at those kind of things, um, then that's fine and make those investments. That's fine. We will work with you and we'll work on those recommendations. But the vast majority of us out here today don't have the economics in order to vary those applications going across the field. So we're going to have that sampled and we're going to have that analysis done based on how you're going to plant. So if you're going to start on one end of the field and go across to the other, you're not going to vary how many ounces of manganese are in there or how many pints of zinc are going to be in there. You're going to load up that mix and that's going to, what it's going to be is you're going clear across the field. So. Yeah. And to me, the biggest thing is one of the reasons why I'm here, I I have the luxury of farming, you know, a half an acre of sweet corn or something like that. 
But one of the reasons why I'm here is because when you look at the tests that we run through Midwest Labs, we'll talk about them in a little bit, but that complete S3C test that you get from Midwest Labs, it not only includes the N and the P1, P2, I want to talk about that in a second, but the the K-Mag, calcium, all that fun stuff. But we also look at boron, copper, iron, manganese, zinc, and those are some critical micronutrients that if you don't address that you're, you're going to run into kind of our third step about, you know, those limiting nutrients, but what is it about that complete S3C test from Midwest labs that's going to maybe differ from a test that somebody else might be doing from another lab or from, you know, they, they might be going through Midwest labs, but it's not the S3C test. Well, it's just like you said, it's the limiting factor. Um, you know, you go all the way back to Lieberg's law, you know, what is your most limiting factor? Well, it, it's it's not necessarily any one thing, you know, like we can't just say zinc is your limiting factor because everybody's is different. You know, mine in Southwest Iowa is a lot different than some of my guys in New York or some of my guys in North Dakota or some of your guys is in Ohio or whatever. Yep. You know, we have guys all over and it's not going to be the same everywhere we go. And so you got to do the soil test and let the soil test tell you specifically what that is. You know, there are algorithms in that, system that are way smarter than me and so they're going to tell you the interaction between those nutrients as well you know when you overload one nutrient it overwhelms some of the others and and that's just not something that you could easily easily say yeah and that's another reason why you know we look at the p1 bray and the the p2 bray as well it kind of goes back to that there are some tests that you know may only have a p1 value or just a, a phosphorus value in general And they don't really look at anything else. You know, it was interesting last year when we were running around on the pro ag circuit, it was brought up about manganese. And I don't know if you remember that conversation or not, but a guy had two different tests. He had just got done sampling a, what he thought was a complete test from his current soil test person. And then he came to a fundamentals of agronomy program that we've got. And he said, you know what, I'm going to do my own testing. And so he went out and he pulled a test and sent sent it through Midwest labs, got the results back. And the manganese numbers were like seven times from ours to theirs. And he was asking the question. So I reached out to Midwest labs and I reached out to the lab that he actually had the first test done. It was very, very interesting to hear the results from those two different quote unquote technical agronomists that worked at those labs. The one guy said, well, you know what, on the manganese levels, we know that the confidence factor, when you look at statistics, we know that the confidence in that number is not very high. So, you know, it's just kind of a number there and you can kind of gauge what you want to do off of it. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I talked with another guy from the other lab and he said, look, he said, when you run it through the, the one specific test, the cheaper, quote unquote, cheaper test, he said that they're absolutely right. The confidence values are very, very low. He said, but the way we do it, we can, our confidence values, and even sent me the testing protocol that they do is closer to that 95% accuracy that they get those numbers back. And he said, so first off, you know, we're using completely different scales. You know, his 70 is not the same as our seven, you know, they're completely different. So you can't compare one-to-one. And that's another thing that I want to bring up a little bit later on as we kind of work through these different steps as to why our system is different and why we know our system so much. 
but that's absolutely critical. The, the person that's not only submitting the test, but also reading the results and giving you the grower, the information, they need to know what they're talking about. Because if they don't know what they're talking about, you're getting ready to harvest right now. You're sitting in your truck, getting ready to fire up the combine. If you were working with me and, and I was telling you information, but in the back of my mind, I really had no idea what I was talking about. How good is that for you? Not good at all. Not good at all. <laughs> and I would even go back even further than what you mentioned and say that it also goes back to the sampling. You got to take the right samples at the right depth and be consistent with all of those things. Consistency is huge and it starts with the sampling. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when you look at that kind of the step three and, and it kind of allows you to address those limiting nutrients that we talked about, that was huge to me. I, you know, when I came out of Iowa State and I've told the story a million times, but when I started that job as the agronomist and I got handed that paper, Dr. Liebig's Law of Limiting Nutrients, and I looked at that and I said, well, how do we address, you know, one of the, like, it was boron. How do I address boron? And the agronomy manager said, oh, we don't worry about boron. You know, there's nothing we can do to change it anyway. We just worry about NP and K. And I thought, man, how short-sighted was that? But he was an old school dude, you know, from way back in the day. And you didn't need some of those micronutrients. You didn't need to adjust some of those values. So it was all about, you know, grid sampling and, and just spreading out, you know, your dry P and K and maybe some sulfur. But it wasn't really truly addressing the limitations that you have on those acres. And that's where we can take this program and we can fine tune these recommendations so that they fit, you know, every acre or every farm, depending on it's all dependent on how you plant or how you spray. It's not necessarily dependent on the co-op and, and when they can get out there and when they can spread it, you know, and they even do a great job. But when we look at number four, we keep kind of going in kind of order, right, as we do this. So we're starting to address some of those limitations, but we can build that more comprehensive fertility program. And so when you get the results back through our system, how does that work when you can build kind of a more comprehensive fertility program? What's that look like? So the program is phenomenal because it not only tells you what to put on, you know, what specific product, but it also tells you how much to put on. Yeah. And it even tells you where to put it whether to put it in furrow, because when you concentrate a product, it is so much more efficient. And we are all about efficiency in everything we do. We want you to be efficient with everything you do. And so by being efficient and putting the most you can, you know, there are some limitations, you know, based on CEC and organic matter. Sometimes you don't have the same capacity that other soils do. And so you have to look at those things and the program does that for you. And so it's going to tell you those type of things, you know, how much you can put in furrow, if you need to come back and do more additional foliar, if you need to do some side band, um, if you need to make multiple foliar applications, you know, guys ask me, well, you know, can I just do it all in, in with my planner? I'm like, well, it's based off of your soil levels and your yield yep. goal. If you have very high soil levels and you have a very modest yield goal, then a lot of times, yeah, you can do it um, possibly just with the planner or maybe one foliar pass. But if you have really low soil levels and you have really high yield goals, you know, we're going to have to do some extra work. It's yep. not all for free. Um, you got to put in the time, the effort, the work. And that's where we talk about an ideal. So the recommendation is going to give you the ideal. It's going to give you the ideal times and products and places to put those type of things. And so then maybe those application methods don't necessarily fit with your operation today. Now, we're in kind of a benefit right now because we're harvesting. So we've got all winter to work on those application equipment or timing or whatever. If you're truly wanting to hit that high goal 
I'm going to highly, highly encourage you to work on those application equipment and all that stuff over the winter so that you can do the ideal. Because the ideal is going to give you the ideal efficiency. Yep. It's going to give you the ideal return on investment and the ideal yield. And so we're going to make adjustments based on you know your operation. So maybe you can't wide drop yet. Maybe you can't do some other things yet. So we're going to make some adjustments for that, but also realize that the yield goal is probably going to adjust from that as well with the long-term goal that we're going to work back towards that ideal eventually and give you the ideal ROI and the ideal yield goal. Yeah. And that brings up kind of the sixth reason, but before we go to that, I do want to hit on kind of the fifth reason. And to me, it's important, especially with my background, is that as we look at building that more comprehensive fertility program, step five is actually giving you, the grower, more control over your own tests. And to me, that really hits home because I used to be the guy that would take those tests and I would submit them through the co-op system and then I would get them back through the co-op system and then I would have to go out to you, Mr. Grower, and then I would give you your information. But with what we do at A Better Way to Farm, we give you the control over your own tests. And so what does that look like when, you know, when you're comparing, well, I'll just have my normal guy do it or, hey, maybe I should give these guys at A Better Way to Farm a call and, and take a look at their system. Yeah. So that gives you a lot of different options. I mean, you have ownership of them. So, you know, if you, if you want to do something different with them, you can take them with you. Um, I work with some growers and I've asked to see copies of their current soil tests. And so then they go around, they turn around, they go to the retailer and they say, Hey, I need a copy of my soil test. And like, well, you know, actually we paid for them and out of our account, the retailer says that. And so you don't actually own them. And so then that's like an, Oh, or an aha moment more or less. And so yeah got to realize those type of things but also being the owner of them gives you different options you know you can put in your yield goal um, specific yep. to you you can put in your crop that you want to do for that season yep. um, you know let's say okay we're gonna plant corn here and i want a 250 bushel yield goal and by some miracle of god mother nature gives us rain in abundance next spring and it rains and rains and rains <laughs> and we can't plant corn so we switch to soybeans so i yep. can i can switch that to 80 bushel soybeans and boom. So you bring up really step six, because having control, I really felt like needed to be its own reason why our system works. Again, all these kind of feed into each other. It's one kind of linear continuous motion as we walk through this, but step six or or reason six is really that shift on the fly ability. So kind of dive deeper into that. And why is our system different than the co-op system and, and what you just kind of said elaborate more on that so you had to back up to the co-op system so i might ask you you know when you got those analysis back and gave them to the customer how many different recommendations did you have well you're really putting me on the spot dude <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so i i guess I'll, I'll bring up my own experience and the struggle was at the time that i didn't realize what i didn't realize <laughs> and I even asked somebody the other day, it's like, well, do you honestly think that, you know, I'm a dishonest person or that I'm a liar? And they're like, no, I said, I didn't think so either. But when I was at the co-op, I just didn't know, you know, that ignorant is bliss really was very, very true. So we would take those results and literally would have a build program and a maintenance program. And it was all fancy stuff. If this number is that, then we do this. And literally, we would just write that into basically everybody's 
you know, quote unquote prescription that they got from grid sampling. And we would go out and we would spread either the maintenance or the quote unquote build program. And we did that because of efficiency. We really couldn't go on and, you know, do the Johnson farm and then come back and load and go do, you know, another program somewhere else. You know, we had to fill those tender trucks full of fertilizer and and we had to keep that thing going. So, you know, we really didn't change it, you know, on this field by field basis or grower by grower basis. You either got the maintenance program or you got the build program. Sometimes it was a budget thing. Well, I only have $100 to spend on fertilizer. Now it's like $300 to spend on fertilizer. So what can I do? And we would just go in there and figure out the average would be $300 per acre. And we would just go in and play with those numbers until it fit the system. And and that's completely different than what we do here at A Better Way to Farm with that shift on the fly. The only thing that changes is like you mentioned earlier, if you're going to go from like corn to beans or winter wheat or, you know, sugar beets or whatever it is, you absolutely have that power to do it. And the cool thing is, is that it's eight o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock at night, three o'clock in the morning. It doesn't matter. You can log into your own account and you can make those changes so that when you wake up in the morning or whatever, whenever you need those results, you're ready to go. You know, you can do that stuff on your own. So, you know, I never thought that I would go back to selling fertilizer. And here I am as a consultant. And that's one of the things that I absolutely love doing. And I know we want to talk about this kind of in this this whole seven reasons why, you know, really the seventh thing is that kind of collaboration, not only with Midwest Labs, but also our team. And I know that we kind of both wanted to talk about being independent as well. So what is it about this system and kind of this seventh reason about collaborating with, with Midwest Labs for over the last 30 years plus, you know, and we've also been a part of writing some of these recommendations or prescriptions for state and national yield champs this entire time. You know, it's not some a new phenomenon. You know, we've been doing this for over 30 plus years. So what is it about that kind of the, the collaboration with Midwest and what we do independently that really ties this whole system together? So, yeah, you and I are both certified crop advisors and we both have our own independent consulting businesses. And then we work together with this team. And so it, it just brings us full circle because I have a lot of people, you know, you see people on the on these message boards say, hey, I'm looking for an independent agronomist. And so then we talk to some of these other independent agronomists, you know, getting these groups and stuff. And they're like, well, yeah, I'm independent, you know, so so that way I'm not tied to any particular supplier or whatever. Yeah. And I sit there and I think about that. And I'm like, OK, so you're going to make a recommendation to a grower and you're going to tell them that, OK, that they need this many pounds of zinc or this many pints of zinc. And then that customer turns around and goes out and shops around for the cheapest zinc they can find. And so then, you know, a lot of people end up with, I guess I don't want, I don't want to throw mud, so I'm not going to say any names, but, you know, some, some lesser quality <laughs> zinc out there. And then the customer doesn't necessarily get the results they were looking for or even the results that that agronomist was intending them to have. And the agronomist had perfect intentions. The lag there ended up being between what the agronomist was wanting for a product and what the customer ended up finding for that product was a lot lesser quality. And so you and I and the rest of the team, you know, we have a a specific product that we recommend to them and we're like, okay, this is the ideal. And so this is going to give you the ideal results. So you got to use the ideal product. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of that goes back to the four R's. You know, there are so many companies out there today that talk about the four R's and none of them actually truly <laughs> utilize them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that, you know, being a part of the CCA program, I know you get the soils catalog, the, the magazine as well. And they just had a big, like a last month's publication had a big four R deal in it. And I was reading it. It was so frustrating because the message is correct. But the way the message is handled is so far from right, it's wrong. And, you know, you bring up a thing and I'm going to have to start saying it again. I used to joke about it, you know, in the previous years, especially the, those pro-ag programs, you know, we have a ton of fun there. But especially this year with the drought, you know, I've been working on this water product. And Preston, you know this, that I've been working on a, a water product that instead of having water as a liquid, I want to turn it into kind of a solid that's like a slow release water that you could broadcast uh, over your ground so that over time that solid would actually, you know, kind of liquefy and, and turn back into the liquid form of water. So, yeah, you know, those are the things that some of this marketing, you're like, oh man, Tyler, that'd be great. But I'm literally just talking about ice, right? So we could take some ice and, and yeah. call it slow release water. And, and those are some of the things that you read about some of the stuff. And it's just so, so frustrating. And so to me, that's extremely important that Midwest Labs, although we've been working with them for over 30 years, they're an independent lab. They're going to give us the results back, whether they're good or whether they're bad. It doesn't matter. We are independent crop consultants. We are going to give you the information that you get back. We're going to tell you the truth and our honest opinion. And we're going to make recommendations on what we feel is the right time, the right place, the right source, and the right rate. And all of that comes together to form this system and why it works. And really those seven reasons, again, you know, it, it was pretty kind of condensed, but those are the steps. Those are the things that really set us apart from what everyone else is doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And just, just drives home that fact, you know, so I mentioned, you know, I'm somebody with low soil fertility levels and a high yield goal. And so that's not typically something that you're going to load up and make a single pass or a single application to be able to reach that. You know, a lot of those retailers are going to talk about a dry product. They're just going to say, oh, you just got to put on all this. You got to put more on. You know, if it was just about NP and K, we would all be raising 400 bushel corn. And so when we talk about a liquid program, you know, there's a lot of things we can do with that. And one of those is a split application so that we can spoon feed the crop over the season. We're not loaded up. And another thing with that is, is that you can look at Mother Nature and how much, you know, you, you mentioned your water product. Um, <laughs> so talk about Mother Nature how much water she she's going to give us that season. Yeah. If it turns to be a drought and the crop's just not going to grow, you can stop making those applications. You yes. know, we're going to do everything we can prior to that to make it drought resistant. But if there's just simply not any moisture there, um, then we can stop making those applications and save that money. With a dry program, you're typically putting that out there in the fall and you're gambling on Mother Nature for the entire next 12 months. Yep. That's very true. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that is huge. When it when you look at, I, I, I don't want to call it savings again, but ultimately it really helps people decrease the cost of production. You know, we, we've got growers that we talk to daily that talk about, oh, you know, I, I love the increase in yield that I get, but there are people out there, again, that we work with that are, are just trying to decrease the cost of production. 
And when they can lower their, their basically their cost of per bushel produced, I know that you've got a, a fantastic acronym about that. So, you know, what is it about trying to maintain that? I mean, again, you're a grower. What What's that mean for your farm to be able to basically lower the input cost per bushel produced? Yes, lowest investment per bushel management. So that ultimately converts to your bottom line. And, you know, we talk about things and we talk about, you know, my son is 19 years old and he has grown into a passion um, of farming as well. And so there has to be something here left for him at the end of my career to pass along to him. And so by getting a better ROI and being able to build the soil health and to build those different types of things and to be able to do all those things that we need to do to better our, our practices and better our environment, um, we got to do those for the next generation. Absolutely. So if growers want to learn more and they haven't reached out to us yet, what would you suggest they do so that they could find out more about our entire system and how the, the soil sampling part of it really would fit into their operation? So I would absolutely recommend them to reach out. You know, they can reach out to you or, or myself and, and we will contact them personally. You know, you're not going to get some automated virtual assistant or whatever. Um, It's going to be you or I that's going to talk to you and and we're going to walk you through and step by step what you need to do and and what works in your operation and what we can work towards for the next season. Well, Preston, thank you very much, man. I know that you've got to jump in a combine and I've got to hit the road. I've got to go up to a publishing party at the school. So I know it's a busy time of year for everyone here, and I really appreciate the conversation, dude. It was awesome. I look forward to seeing you soon. You bet. You too, buddy. And thank you, everyone, for the love and support, not only here, but on our Facebook page and other forms of social media as well. We hope that you enjoyed this episode on the A Better Way to Farm podcast. And remember to like, subscribe, and leave a review for us so that we can improve this show and bring you the best content possible. And as always, we hope that you have a better day. A better way to farm dot com. You're listening on the Verbal Crowd Network. Find more great shows at verbalcrowd.com. dot